Thank you for tuning in to Jason DeMars Live. Every Tuesday and Friday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I teach on various biblical topics. Get in contact with me at jasondemars.com. Let me know what topics you would like me to cover in future videos. I have free books and tracks available for you to order and shipping is free as well. Make sure to subscribe and click the little bell to get notified when I post a new video. Good morning everyone. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please, if you're watching, send your greetings. I want to be able to greet you personally. And we're going to get started on the topic, Your Pastor is Ordained to Carry You Through. This is a statement I've heard numerous times over the years. And I want to declare, take some time to clarify this uh, according to the message and the scriptures. <clears throat> Everybody, pray for me. I, I'm I'm a little uh, got a little cough and cold. Come on, so trusting the Lord for healing and deliverance from that. All right. So this statement, your pastor is ordained to carry you through, has come uh, numerous times. And the context is, um, it's been brought to me this way. You have to have a revelation of who your pastor is. So if you do a quick search of revelation of who your pastor is, or something to that effect in the table app, you don't find that anywhere. There's nothing in there that says you have to ever have a revelation of who your pastor is. All right? Now, secondarily, that doesn't mean you don't have to have the leadership of the Holy Ghost of where you go to church, but it's the context that we're talking about. You have to have a revelation of who your pastor is because your pastor is ordained to, care, to lead you through or carry you through to the rapture. All right. So that's the context that I have heard this quote brought forth in. And the implication is that if, we do, if you don't obey and listen to your pastor, you're not going to make it through to the rapture. And... Numerous times I heard it, this, heard it brought to me this way and heard it preached this way from different sources. Um, let's look at the quote and the context of the quote where this comes from. It's in the sermon, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. <coughs> Excuse me. Love one another above everything. Love one another. Don't, no matter what the devil tries to say, now you're all one great big sweet group now, but remember my warning, see, Satan won't let that stay that way, no sir. He'll shoot everything. If he has to bring somebody in to make his target, he'll bring some critic or unbeliever in and sit him down and cause him to fellowship with you under the quietness and things. And then he'll shoot that guy with some kind of a poison stuff and he'll start through the church with it. Don't you take sides with it. Don't you have nothing to to do with anything else, you stay right loving and sweet and kind to one another. Pray for that man that he'll be saved too, or that woman, or whoever who it is. Just pray for them and stick 
with one another and stay with your pastor. See, he's the shepherd and you give him respects. He'll lead you through and because he's ordained of God to do so. Now, do you remember that? The enemy will come and when he does, just cling that much closer together and the one that the devil is using for an enemy will either get out or come in and be one of you. That's all. All right. So that's the context. The context is difficult situations in the church. And don't take sides with someone who's been shot, shot with some kind of poison. And he's starting to spread it through the church. He says, don't take sides with it. Stay with your pastor. He's the shepherd and you, you give him respect. He'll lead you through because he's ordained of God to do so. The entire context is not the rapture. The context of what is being said is difficult situations in the church. Don't take sides with someone who is operating under the influence of the devil through gossip, lies, backbiting, handling situations unscripturally. Don't take sides with that. Stay with your pastor. Give him respect. He'll lead you through because he's ordained to do it. He's ordained to lead you through difficult situations. Now, that doesn't mean this is speaking of every situation. Very specifically, this is dealing with Brother Neville. Stay with your pastor. Stay with Brother Neville. He's ordained of God to lead you through it. Specifically, he's saying that, but generally, that goes out to any true God-ordained minister. Sadly, very sadly, there are ministers who are not God-ordained, and they've ended up being in the pastor position, and they themselves are the one that have been shot with poison in order to bring poison to the rest of the church. Nevertheless, there is a scriptural way to deal with this. Maybe that we take it in that situation and the pastor himself is the problem. You don't stay with that kind of pastor. You get away from that kind of pastor. Why? Because he's doing damage to God's people. Don't stay with him. Move away from him. Get away from him. Now, don't do that on a misunderstanding. You go and talk to him. But sometimes the situation is such where he's such a Nicolaitan that you can't even talk to him. In such a case, just get away and find a godly church. Don't go around and gossip and backbite. You certainly can warn people. Say, that man is dangerous. Stay away from him. Here is the evidence. Okay? Stay with your pastor. He's the shepherd. You give him respect. He'll lead you through because he's ordained of God to do so. A true God-ordained minister will lead his church through difficult circumstances. It has nothing to do with the rapture. All right? In the sermon, Water Baptism, Brother Branham says this. Again, this, I'm, I'm going to go into some quotes where you could, a person could use it to twist it to say something else. Brother Branham says, don't never leave your church, stay with your pastor. This is 1959. Do everything you can in your own local church, but follow 
the Bible instructions, talking about water baptism. All right. Is that always true? What if the church is joined with the mother whore? Should you stay in it? The message then is, come out of her, my people. So again, it isn't, it isn't, we can't take that quote and make it across the board because we know there are pastors who are damaging. We know that there are pastors that are preaching false doctrine and who are hurting people, manipulating people. And don't stay with them, get away from them. In the sermon, Christianity versus idolatry, idolatry, Brother Branham says, and I want this church, when I leave into the ministry here to go out into the fields, I want you to stay with your pastor and stay with the teaching that's been taught here. Stay with this word, don't you leave it. You stay right with the word, no matter what comes or goes. Stay with the word. Amen. Amen. So there's the, there's the right focus. Stay with your pastor, Brother Neville, and with the teaching that's been taught here. Stay with the word. Don't leave it. Don't go to some other interpretation. Don't, don't, don't depart from the message. Stay with the message of the hour that's been preached here. So if a person, if a pastor is not teaching the word, is not truly teaching the message, you should not stay with that pastor. You should leave. Again, you do this prayerfully. You do this under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You don't just jump from place to place to place. Oh, I got the answer. I'm running away now. No, I'm not advocating running away. Uh, I've, I've had people that I know that have left church saying the church is, is bad and damaging. Um, the circumstances were such where that, that person's attitude was wrong. I was in that church and what they're saying wasn't true. So be prayerful and be wise before you act. Let's look at some of the scriptures. First Timothy 5, um, just to say this, there's not too many scriptures that speaks of, as we said before, if you look up in your Bible search in the New Testament, pastor, it doesn't come up once, and if you look up pastors, plural, it comes up once. So there's not a lot of instruction to pastors. There is instruction to elders and in our relation, people who are not preachers or elders in the local church to the elders. There's a little bit of instruction, but really there's very little in the New Testament um, it's, it's astounding to me how many demands that pastors will put on the people when there's very little of that done in the scripture. Let's see what demands or commands the scripture gives. 1 Timothy 5, 17-20 Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Alright, so the Elders that rule well, count them of du- worthy of double honor. So a, right, so a normal elder, you give them honor. An elder who rules well, in other words, he, um, he leads, leads the church well, uh, 
let them be counted worthy of double honor, and then especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So somebody who, an elder who, who leads, double honor. Someone who labors in the word of doc, uh, and doctrine, even more, even more honor. So what does that mean, honor? It means respect. It, it means treat them with respect because they're leading you according to the word of God. In a, in a way, when you treat a minister with disrespect and rudeness, um, someone who's truly ordained of God, it's in a, in a way you're disrespecting the word. And again, that doesn't mean, oh my goodness, you've got to, you have to live in fear of the pastor. And that's not what it's saying. Live in fear of the minister. It's, it's that you respect the calling that they have. So the, the elders that rule well, rule means stand before, or to maintain, or to superintend, or preside over, protect, or guard. And the word honor uh, means to value, by valuing, by which the price is fixed. Uh, the price paid or received for a person or thing bought or <coughs> sold. The uh, honor which one has by reason of rank and state of office, he holds deference, reverence. All right? For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. So the context there. There is, um, <laughs> is support your ministers. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. One of the meanings of the word is their valuing by which the price is fixed, of the price paid or received. Right? So there's that aspect where it's talking about reverence and respect. But it's also talking about support. Support elders that rule well, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. So an elder needs to have two or three witnesses uh, to have an accusation brought against them. Again, um, if we're talking about uh, something like murder, sexual abuse, um, crimes, in those kinds of cases we just need to refer that immediately to the police. The church is not to say we have to have two or three witnesses before we do anything about it. Too many times the church, churches will take someone who's abusive, uh, sexually abusive to either minors or to even to women in the church, and they send him another place to do the same work that he was doing before. Um, 
we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't forward a problem onto others. We'll be responsible for that. We need to report crimes to the police. We are not, the church is not a political agency and we don't bear the sword to punish crimes. We need to refer that to the civil authority. The accusations we're talking about are dishonesty, misuse of funds, um, uh, rude behavior, uh, drunkenness, etc., uh, adultery, those kind of things. Don't receive an accusation just from one person. Let there be two or three witnesses of that. All right, remember them, and then if if what they're saying is true, then you should. There should be a pub. <coughs> Excuse me. Then there should be a public rebuke of that elder in front of the whole church. All right. Remember them which have the rule over you. Remember them which are your guides. It's another way to put it. Let's look that up in the uh, ESV. That's Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Remember your leaders. Why? Because they're an example. They spoke the word to you, and they were an example of Christian life to you. All right. It doesn't say that they're supposed. To, we're supposed to rule over them. Ministers are supposed to rule over the people. That's that brings a misunderstanding. That's absolutely. Uh, uh, understood in the sense of leadership. All right. Then the next one is Hebrews 13, verse 24. Greet all your leaders or salute all them that have the rule over you. Again, it's speaking of someone who's a guide or who is a leader. All right. But again, we can't understand this in the con. We shouldn't try to understand these things in the context uh, of ruling over the people, conquering the laity. Brother Branham says this. Now, I want to say that I believe this is in the Church Ages book. I want to say that I believe in leadership, but it's not the leadership of men I believe in. I believe in the leadership of the Holy Ghost coming through the Word. I believe also that God has set men in the church, men who are gifted by the Spirit, and they will keep the church in order. I believe that. I believe also that the church is ruled over by men that God sends to take charge. But that rule is by the Word, so that it is not men really ruling, but the Spirit of God. For the Word and Spirit are one. And then he quotes Hebrews 13:7. Remember them which have the rule over you have spoken who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Once again, in the Church Ages book, he says, Paul saw it coming. But he warned them about this subtle priesthood that would come and take over with its false doctrines. He knew they would implement a way of worship that excluded the people from any part in a Holy Spirit ministry. And even right today, among those who claim to be free and full of the Spirit, there is not too much freedom in the laity. 
And the best we can see is a few preachers with inspired preaching while the flock just sits there and tries to absorb it. This is a far cry from Paul who said that when all came together, all had the leading of the Spirit and all participated in spiritual worship. And the church corporate has never learned this lesson from Scripture nor from history. Every time God gives a visitation of the Holy Spirit and people get free, after a while, they bind themselves right back to the very thing they came out of. When Luther came out of Catholicism, the people stayed free for a while. But when he died, the people simply organized what they thought he believed and set up their own creeds and ideas and repudiated anyone who said opposite to what they said. They went right back to Catholicism with a little different form. And right today, many Lutherans are ready to go all the way back. Oh, yes. In Revelation 17, the old whore had many daughters. These daughters are just like mother. They set, a, set the word aside, deny the work of the Spirit of God, subjugate the laity, and make it impossible for the laity to worship God unless they come through them or through their pattern, which is nothing but a blueprint of unbelief from Satan. My. So, your pastor is ordained to carry you through. Absolutely, that's the truth. Carry through. A God-ordained pastor is sent to carry, to lead the church through difficult circumstances where, where there is uh, division rising up and infighting rising up. God sends that pastor to help deal with each of those people and bring peace. All right? But it's not saying that the pastor is ordained to carry you through to the rapture. Not even Brother Branham was ordained to carry us through to the rapture. It is the word coming to us that changes us and molds us and shapes us, prepares us for the rapture. Now, men can carry and preach that word, but it's not men doing the work. It's men simply as carriers of the word, communicators of the word, to bring forth something in the bride. It's not the fivefold ministry perfecting the bride. Brother Branham says it's the blood working by the word that brings perfection to the bride. What is it that the ministry does? The ministry equips the saints. It doesn't say perf it says perfecting in the King James version. But if you look at the meaning of that word, it's not the same word as teleos in Ephesians 4, four uh, other places in Ephesians 4. The word there is equipping. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. That word there is for the equipping, the dressing of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God does that work by His Word. He sends men to be communicators of that Word. But we don't look to the men as the headship we look to Christ revealed as the headship of the local church. And that word is ordained to carry us through to the rapture. 
the, you won't find anywhere in Scripture that you have to have a revelation of who your pastor is. You won't find anywhere that your pastor is going to lead you to the rapture. You won't find that anywhere. I challenge anyone, bring it, bring it, before, bring it to me. You see my contact information, jasondemars.com. You can email me through, the web, through that website. You, can, you, you, you see the email if you're watching this. If you're listening to it, just go to the website, jasondemars.com, and contact me. You won't find that anywhere. Hey, I, pastors are needed, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers also are needed. Why? Why? Because they, they are there to help the people grow in their personal walk. But if you study and look through the New Testament, the emphasis is not placed on ministers. The emphasis is placed on Christ in His relationship to every single believer. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It doesn't emphasize listen to the pastor, respect the pastor, honor the pastor. Sure, it says honor, honor elders, honor those that have the rule over you. Absolutely, it says that. But that's not the sole emphasis of the New Testament. That isn't something that people, that, that is emphasized over and over again to where you just have to stay with your pastor because he's ordained to, to lead you through. It's such a careful thing, brothers and sisters. You have to be careful with these things because you can take this together with your, your pastor as your husband, spiritually speaking. And what do you create? You create a pastor-centered religion. And what is your faith in? Your faith is in your pastor. And your pastor is going to take care of you and your pastor is going to get you through. And your, if your pastor's right in his doctrine, then you're going to go in the rapture. And you could be sitting there dead as a doornail in a church. That's not where it's at. It's personal Holy Ghost leadership in your own life. That's the emphasis and focus of the New Testament, not your pastor. Well, I'm just going to send my greetings here. Um, Brother Lindsley, God bless you. Brother Fury, God bless you as well. Sister Sarah from Edmonton. Sister Chantel from Madawaska, God bless you. Brother Jonathan Curlett, God bless you as well. And uh, appreciate you all listening in. Once again, questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, please let me know. May the Lord richly bless you.